Chapter Five, Part Two of *The Empty House* and Other Ghost Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand. *The Empty House* and Other Ghost Stories by Algernon Blackwood, with intent to steal, Part Two things must have gone on in this way for a good hour or more when i made the sudden discovery that there was something unusual in the conditions of our environment this sounds a roundabout mode of expression but i really know not how else to put it the discovery almost rushed upon me by rights we were two men waiting in an alleged haunted barn for something to happen and as two men who trusted one another implicitly though for very different reasons there should have been two minds keenly alert with the ordinary senses in active cooperation some slight degree of nervousness too there might also have been but beyond this nothing it was therefore with something of dismay that i made the sudden discovery that there was something more and something that i ought to have noticed very much sooner than i actually did notice it the fact was shorthouse's stream of talk was wholly unnatural he was talking with a purpose he did not wish to be cornered by my questions true but he had another and a deeper purpose still and it grew upon me as an unpleasant deduction from my discovery that this strong cynical unemotional man by my side was talking and had been talking all this time to gain a particular end and this end i soon felt clearly was to convince himself but of what for myself as the hours wore on towards midnight i was not anxious to find the answer but in the end it became impossible to avoid it and i knew as i listened that he was pouring forth this steady stream of vivid reminiscences of travel south seas big game russian exploration women adventures of all sorts because he wished the past to reassert itself to the complete exclusion of the present he was taking his precautions he was afraid I felt a hundred things, once this was clear to me, but none of them more than the wish to get up at once and leave the barn. If Shorthouse was afraid already, what in the world was to happen to me in the long hours that lay ahead? I only know that in my fierce efforts to deny myself the evidence of his partial collapse, the strength came that enabled me to play my part properly, and I even found myself helping him by means of animated remarks upon his stories, and by more or less judicious questions. I also helped him by dismissing from my mind any desire to inquire into the truth of his former experience and it was good i did so for had he turned it loose on me with those great powers of convincing description that he had at his command i verily believe that i should never have crawled from that barn alive so at least i felt at the moment it was the instinct of self-preservation and it brought sound judgment here then at least with different motives reached two by opposite ways we were both agreed upon one thing namely that temporarily we would forget fools we were for a dominant emotion is not so easily banished and we were forever recurring to it in a hundred ways direct and indirect a real fear cannot be so easily trifled with and while we toyed on the surface with thousands and thousands of words mere words our subconscious activities were steadily gaining force and would before very long have to be properly acknowledged we could not get away from it 
At last, when he had finished the recital of an adventure which brought him near enough to a horrible death, I admitted that in my uneventful life I had never yet been face to face with a real fear. It slipped out inadvertently, and of course without intention, but the tendency in him at the time was too strong to be resisted. He saw the loophole and made for it full tilt. It is the same with all the emotions, he said. The experiences of others never give a complete account. Until a man has deliberately turned and faced for himself the fiends that chase him down the years, he has no knowledge of what they really are or of what they can do. Imaginative authors may write, moralists may preach, and scholars may criticize, but they are dealing all the time in a coinage of which they know not the actual value. Their listener gets a sensation, but not the true one. Until you have faced these emotions, he went on, with the same race of words that had come from him the whole evening, and made them your own, your slaves, you have no idea of the power that is in them, hunger that shows the light beckoning beyond the grave, thirst that fills with mingled ice and fire, passion, love, loneliness, revenge, and— He paused for a minute, and though I knew we were on the brink, I was powerless to hold him. And fear, he went on, fear. I think that death from fear, or madness from fear, must sum up in a second of time the total of all the most awful sensations it is possible for a man to know. Then you yourself felt something of this fear, I interrupted, for you said just now. I do not mean physical fear, he replied, for that is more or less a question of nerves and will, and it is imagination that makes men cowards. I mean an absolute fear, a physical fear one might call it, that reaches the soul and withers every power one possesses. He said a lot more, for he too was wholly unable to stem the torrent once it broke loose, but I have forgotten it, or rather mercifully I did not hear it, for I stopped my ears and only heard the occasional words when I took my fingers out to find if he had come to an end. In due course he did come to an end, and there we left it, for I then knew positively what he already knew, that somewhere here in the night, and within the walls of this very barn where we were sitting, there was waiting something of dreadful malignancy and of great power something that we might both have to face ere morning, and something that he had already tried to face once, and failed in the attempt. The night wore slowly on, and it gradually became more and more clear to me that I could not dare to rely as at first upon my companion, and that our positions were undergoing a slow process of reversal. I thank heaven this was not borne in upon me too suddenly, and that I had at least the time to readjust myself somewhat to the new conditions. Preparation was possible, even if it was not much, and I sought by every means in my power to gather up all the shreds of my courage, so that they might together make a decent rope that would stand the strain when it came. The strain would come, that was certain, and I was thoroughly well aware, though for my life I cannot put into words the reasons for my knowledge, that the massing of the material against us was proceeding somewhere in the darkness with the determination and a horrible skill besides. Shorthouse, meanwhile, talked without ceasing. The great quantity of hay opposite, or straw, I believe it actually was, seemed to deaden the sound of his voice, but the silence, too, had become so oppressive that I welcomed his torrent and even dreaded the moment when it would stop. I heard, too, the gentle ticking of my watch. Each second uttered its voice and dropped away into a gulf, as if starting on a journey whence there was no return. Once a dog barked somewhere in the distance probably on the lower farm, and once an owl hooted close outside, and I could hear the swishing of its wings as it passed overhead. 
above me in the darkness i could just make out the outline of the barn sinister and black the rows of rafters stretching across from wall to wall like wicked arms that pressed upon the hay short house deep in some involved yarn of the south seas that was meant to be full of cheer and sunshine and yet only succeeded in making a ghastly mixture of unnatural coloring seemed to care little whether i listened or not he made no appeal to me and i made one or two quite irrelevant remarks which passed him by and proved that he was merely uttering sounds he too was afraid of the silence i fell to wondering how long a man could talk without stopping then it seemed to me that these words of his went falling into the same gulf where the seconds dropped only they were heavier and fell faster i began to chase them presently one of them fell much faster than the rest and i pursued it and found myself almost immediately in a land of clouds and shadows they rose up and enveloped me pressing on the eyelids it must have been just here that i actually fell asleep somewhere between twelve and one o'clock because as i chased this word at tremendous speed through space i knew that i had left the other words far very far behind me till at last i could no longer hear them at all the voice of the storyteller was beyond the reach of hearing and i was falling with ever increasing rapidity through an immense void a sound of whispering roused me two persons were talking under their breath close beside me the words in the main escaped me but i caught every now and then bitten off phrases and half sentences to which however i could attach no intelligible meaning the words were quite close at my very side in fact and one of the voices sounded so familiar that curiosity overcame dread and i turned to look i was not mistaken it was shorthouse whispering but the other person who must have been just a little beyond him was lost in the darkness and invisible to me it seemed then that shorthouse at once turned up his face and looked at me and by some means or other that caused me no surprise at the time i easily made out the features in the darkness they wore an expression i had never seen there before he seemed distressed exhausted worn out and as though he were about to give in after a long mental struggle he looked at me almost beseechingly and the whispering of the other person died away they're at me he said i found it quite impossible to answer the words stuck in my throat his voice was thin plaintive almost like a child's i shall have to go i'm not as strong as i thought they'll call it suicide but of course it's really murder there was real anguish in his voice and it terrified me a deep silence followed these extraordinary words and i somehow understood that the other person was just going to carry on the conversation i even fancied i saw lips shaping themselves just over my friend's shoulder when i felt a sharp blow in the ribs and a voice this time a deep voice sounded in my ear i opened my eyes and the wretched dream vanished yet it left behind it an impression of a strong and quite unusual reality do not try to go to sleep again he said sternly you seem exhausted do you feel so there was a note in his voice i did not welcome less than an alarm but certainly more than mere solicitude i do feel terribly sleepy all of a sudden i admitted ashamed so you may he added very earnestly but i rely on you to keep awake if only to watch you have been asleep for half an hour at least and you were so still i thought i'd wake you why i asked for my curiosity and nervousness were altogether too strong to be resisted do you think we are in danger i think they are about here now i can feel my vitality going rapidly that's always the first sign you'll last longer than i remember watch carefully the conversation dropped i was afraid to say all i wanted to say 
it would have been too unmistakably a confession and intuitively i realized the danger of admitting the existence of certain emotions until positively forced to but presently shorthouse began again his voice sounded odd as if it had lost power it was more like a woman's or a boy's voice than a man's and recalled the voice in my dream i suppose you've got a knife he asked yes a big clasped knife but why he made no answer you don't think a practical joke likely no one suspects we're here i went on nothing was more significant of our real feelings this night than the way we toyed with words and never dared more than to skirt the things in our mind it's just as well to be prepared he answered evasively better be quite sure see which pocket it's in so as to be ready i obeyed mechanically and told him but even this scrap of talk proved to me that he was getting further from me all the time in his mind he was following a line that was strange to me and as he distanced me i felt that the sympathy between us grew more and more strained he knew more it was not that i minded so much but that he was willing to communicate less and in proportion as i lost his support i dreaded his increasing silence not of words for he talked more volubly than ever and with a fiercer purpose but his silence in giving no hint of what he must have known to be really going on the whole time the night was perfectly still shorthouse continued steadily talking and i jogged him now and again with remarks or questions in order to keep awake he paid no attention however to either about two in the morning a short shower fell and the drops rattled sharply on the roof like shot i was glad when it stopped for it completely drowned all other sounds and made it impossible to hear anything else that might be going on something was going on too all the time though for the life of me i could not say what the outer world had grown quite dim the house party the shooters the billiard room and the ordinary daily incidents of my visit all my energies were concentrated on the present and the constant strain of watching waiting listening was excessively telling shorthouse still talked of his adventures in some eastern country now and less connectedly these adventures real or imaginary had quite a savor of the arabian nights and did not by any means make it easier for me to keep my hold on reality the lightest weight will affect the balance under such circumstances and in this case the weight of his talk was on the wrong scale his words were very rapid and i found it overwhelmingly difficult not to follow them into that great gulf of darkness where they all rushed and vanished but that i knew meant sleep again yet it was strange i should feel sleepy when at the same time all my nerves were fairly tingling every time i heard what seemed like a step outside or a movement in the hay opposite the blood stood still for a moment in my veins doubtless the unremitting strain told upon me more than i realized and this was doubly great now that i knew shorthouse was a source of weakness instead of strength as i had counted certainly a curious sense of languor grew upon me more and more and i was sure that the man beside me was engaged in the same struggle the feverishness of his talk proved this if nothing else it was dreadfully hard to keep awake but this time instead of dropping into the gulf i saw something come up out of it it reached our world by a door in the side of the barn farthest from me and it came in cautiously and silently and moved into the mass of hay opposite there for a moment i lost it but presently i caught it again higher up it was clinging like a great bat to the side of the barn something trailed behind it i could not make out what it crawled up the wooden wall and began to move out along one of the rafters a numb terror settled down all over me as i watched it the thing trailing behind it was apparently a rope the whispering began again just then but the only words i could catch seemed without meaning it was almost like another language 
the voices were above me under the roof suddenly i saw signs of active movement going on just beyond the place where the thing lay upon the rafter there was something else up there with it then followed panting like the quick breathing that accompanies effort and the next minute a black mass dropped through the air and dangled at the end of the rope instantly it all flashed upon me i sprang to my feet and rushed headlong across the floor of the barn how i moved so quickly in the darkness i do not know but even as i ran it flashed into my mind that i should never get at my knife in time to cut the thing down or else that i should find it had been taken from me somehow or other the goddess of dreams knows how i climbed up by the hay bales and swung out along the rafter i was hanging of course by my arms and the knife was already between my teeth though i had no recollection of how it got there it was open the mass hanging like a side of bacon was only a few feet in front of me and i could plainly see the dark line of rope that fastened it to the beam i then noticed for the first time that it was swinging and turning in the air and that as i approached it seemed to move along the beam so that the same distance was always maintained between us the only thing i could do for there was no time to hesitate was to jump at it through the air and slash at the rope as i dropped i seized the knife with my right hand gave a great swing of my body with my legs and leaped forward at it through the air horrors it was closer to me than i knew and i plunged full into it and the arm with the knife missed the rope and cut deeply into some substance that was soft and yielding but as i dropped past it the thing had time to turn half its width so that it swung around and faced me and i could have sworn as i rushed past it through the air that it had the features of shorthouse the shock of this brought the vile nightmare to an abrupt end and i woke up a second time on the soft hay bed to find that the gray dawn was stealing in and that i was exceedingly cold after all i had failed to keep awake and my sleep since it was growing light must have lasted at least an hour a whole hour off my guard there was no sound from shorthouse to whom of course my first thoughts turned probably his flow of words had ceased long ago and he too had yielded to the persuasions of the seductive god i turned to wake him and get the comfort of companionship for the horror of my dream when to my utter dismay i saw that the place where he had been was vacant he was no longer beside me it had been no little shock before to discover that the ally in whom lay all my faith and dependence was really frightened but it is quite impossible to describe the sensations i experienced when i realized he had gone altogether and that i was alone in the barn for a minute or two my head swam and i felt a prey to a hopeless terror the dream too still seemed half real so vivid had it been i was thoroughly frightened hot and cold by turns and i clutched the hay at my side in handfuls and for some moments had no idea in the world what i should do this time at least i was unmistakably awake and i made a great effort to collect myself and face the meaning of the disappearance of my companion in this i succeeded so far that i decided upon a thorough search of the barn inside and outside it was a dreadful undertaking and i did not feel at all sure of being able to bring it to a conclusion but i knew pretty well that unless something was done at once i should simply collapse but when i tried to move i found that the cold the fear and i know not what else unholy besides combined to make it almost impossible i suddenly realized that a tour of inspection during the whole of which my back would be open to attack was not to be thought of my will was not equal to it anything might spring upon me any moment from the dark corners and the growing light was just enough to reveal every movement i made to any who might be watching for even then and while i was still half dazed and stupid i knew perfectly well that someone was watching me all the time with the utmost intentness i had not merely awakened i had been awakened 
I decided to try another plan. I called to him. My voice had a thin, weak sound, far away and quite unreal, and there was no answer to it. Hark, though. There was something that might have been a very faint voice near me. I called again, this time with greater distinctness. Short House, where are you? Can you hear me? There certainly was a sound, but it was not a voice. Something was moving. It was someone shuffling along, and it seemed to be outside the barn. I was afraid to call again, and the sound continued. It was an ordinary sound enough, no doubt, but it came to me just then as something unusual and unpleasant. Ordinary sounds remain ordinary only so long as one is not listening to them. Under the influence of intense listening, they become unusual, portentous, and therefore extraordinary. So this common sound came to me as something uncommon, disagreeable. It conveyed, too, an impression of stealth. And with it there was another, a slighter sound. Just at this minute the wind bore faintly over the field the sound of the stable clock a mile away. It was three o'clock, the hour when life's pulses beat lowest, when poor souls lying between life and death find it hardest to resist. Vividly I remember this thought crashing through my brain with a sound of thunder, and I realized that the strain on my nerves was nearing the limit, and that something would have to be done at once if I was to reclaim my self-control at all. When thinking over afterwards the events of this dreadful night, it has always seemed strange to me that my second nightmare, so vivid in its terror and its nearness, should have furnished me with no inkling of what was really going on all this while, and that I should not have been able to put two and two together, or have discovered sooner than I did what this sound was and where it came from. I can well believe that the vile scheming which lay behind the whole experience found it an easy trifle to direct my hearing amiss though of course it may equally well have been due to the confused condition of my mind at the time and to the general nervous tension under which I was undoubtedly suffering. But whatever the cause for my stupidity at first in failing to trace the sound to its proper source, I can only say here that it was with a shock of unexampled horror that my eye suddenly glanced upwards and caught sight of the figure moving in the shadows above my head among the rafters. Up to this moment I had thought that it was somebody outside the barn, crawling round the walls till it came to a door, and the rush of horror that froze my heart when I looked up and saw that it was Short House creeping stealthily along a beam is something altogether beyond the power of words to describe. He was staring intently down upon me, and I knew at once that it was he who had been watching me. This point was, I think, for me, the climax of feeling in the whole experience. I was incapable of any further sensation, that is, any further sensation in the same direction. But here the abominable character of the affair showed itself most plainly, for it suddenly presented an entirely new aspect to me. The light fell on the picture from a new angle, and galvanized me into a fresh ability to feel when I thought a merciful numbness had supervened. It may not sound a great deal in the printed letter, but it came to me almost as if it had been an extension of consciousness for the hand that held the pencil suddenly touched in, with ghastly effect of contrast, the element of the ludicrous. Nothing could have been worse just then. Shorthouse, the masterful spirit, so intrepid in the affairs of ordinary life, whose power increased rather than lessened in the face of danger, this man, creeping on hands and knees along a rafter in a barn at three o'clock in the morning, watching me all the time as a cat watches a mouse. Yes, it was distinctly ludicrous, and while it gave me a measure with which to gauge the dread emotion that caused his aberration, it stirred somewhere deep in my interior the strings of an empty laughter. 
one of those moments then came to me that are said to come sometimes under the stress of great emotion when in an instant the mind grows dazzlingly clear an abnormal lucidity took the place of my confusion of thought and i suddenly understood that the two dreams which i had taken for nightmares must really have been sent me and that i had been allowed for one moment to look over the edge of what was to come the good was helping even when the evil was most determined to destroy i saw it all clearly now shorthouse had overrated his strength the terror inspired by his first visit to the barn when he had failed had roused the man's whole nature to win and he had brought me to divert the deadly stream of evil that he had again underrated the power against him was apparent as soon as he had entered the barn and his wild talk and refusal to admit what he felt were due to this desire not to acknowledge the insidious fear that was growing in his heart but at length it had become too strong he had left my side in my sleep had been overcome himself perhaps first in his sleep by the dreadful impulse he knew that i should interfere and with every movement he made he watched me steadily for the mania was upon him and he was determined to hang himself he pretended not to hear me calling and i knew that anything coming between him and his purpose would meet the full force of his fury the fury of a maniac of one for the time being truly possessed for a minute or two i sat there and stared i saw then for the first time that there was a bit of rope trailing after him and that this was what made the rustling sound i had noticed shorthouse too had come to a stop his body lay along the rafter like a crouching animal he was looking hard at me that whitish patch was his face i can lay claim to no courage in the matter for i must confess that in one sense i was frightened almost beyond control but at the same time the necessity for decided action if i was to save his life came to me with an intense relief no matter what animated him for the moment shorthouse was only a man it was flesh and blood i had to contend with and not the intangible powers only a few hours before i had seen him cleaning his gun smoking his pipe knocking the billiard balls about with very human clumsiness and the picture flashed across my mind with the most wholesome effect then i dashed across the floor of the barn and leaped upon the hay bales as a preliminary to climbing up the sides to the first rafter it was far more difficult than in my dream twice i slipped back into the hay and as i scrambled up for the third time i saw that shorthouse who thus far had made no sound or movement was now busily doing something with his hands upon the beam he was at its further end and there must have been fully fifteen feet between us yet i saw plainly what he was doing he was fastening the rope to the rafter the other end i saw was already around his neck this gave me at once the necessary strength and in a second i had swung myself onto a beam crying aloud with all the authority i could put in my voice you fool man what in the world are you trying to do come down at once my energetic actions and words combined had an immediate effect upon him for which i blessed heaven he looked up from his horrid task stared hard at me for a second or two and they came wriggling along like a great cat to intercept me he came by a series of leaps and bounds and at an astonishing pace and the way he moved somehow inspired me with a fresh horror for it did not seem the natural movement of a human being at all but more as i have said like that of some lithe wild animal he was close upon me i had no clear idea of what exactly i meant to do I could see his face plainly now he was grinning cruelly the eyes were positively luminous and the menacing expression of the mouth was most distressing to look upon 
otherwise it was the face of a chalk man white and dead with all the semblance of the living human drawn out of it between his teeth he held my clasp knife which he must have taken from me in my sleep and with a flash i recalled his anxiety to know exactly which pocket it was in drop that knife i shouted at him and drop after it yourself don't you dare stop me he hissed the breath coming between his lips across the knife that he held in his teeth nothing in the world can stop me now i have promised and i must do it i can't hold out any longer then drop the knife and i'll help you i shouted back in his face i promise no use he cried laughing a little i must do it and you can't stop me i heard a sound of laughter too somewhere in the air behind me the next second shorthouse came at me with a single bound to this day i cannot quite tell how it happened it is still a wild confusion and a fever of horror in my mind but from somewhere i drew more than my usual allowance of strength and before he could well have realized what i meant to do i had his throat between my fingers he opened his mouth and the knife dropped at once for i gave him a squeeze he need never forget before my muscles had felt like so much soaked paper now they recovered their natural strength and more besides i managed to work ourselves along the rafter until the hay was beneath us and then completely exhausted i let go my hold and we swung round together and dropped on the hay he clawing at me in the air even as we fell the struggle that began by my fighting for his life ended in a wild effort to save my own for shorthouse was quite beside himself and had no idea what he was doing indeed he has always averred that he remembers nothing of the entire night's experience after the time when he first woke me from sleep a sort of deadly mist settled over him he declares and he lost all sense of his own identity the rest was a blank until he came to his senses under a mass of hay with me on the top of him it was the hay that saved us first by breaking the fall and then by impeding his movement so that i was able to prevent his choking me to death End of chapter 5